You're listening to The Life of Tri. It's triathlon for your ears. Good time after Worlds. You uh, you get to, you know, just quietly contemplate what's going on. Uh, and a man who spends many a time just wearing a sweater over his shoulder and just walking around skimming rocks is our boy, Kevin uh, Frequent Flyers, .com, uh, McKinnon. Kevin, welcome. Oh, I, the wearing a sweater? Really? <laughs> oh, good grief. Um, um... Yeah, sadly, the the days of frequent flyer stuff is it's just so depressing. I fly a lot and I get next to no points because it's all based on how much you pay for a ticket now versus your actual miles. So um, it just it just makes me cry as I watch my status disappearing. But, you know, that's like you and and people walking around with the. whatever those things are on the beach. So metal detectors on the beach. Those, my pet peeve is the frequent flyer points. So you, you hit a touchy ones to start with. Yeah, right. Well, I, I've got a couple of things that's really, you know, I, I like to start, I've almost sort of felt that it's it's like um, old man screaming at the clouds. It's what it's like, you know, um, shaking his fist at the lawn. Um that's kind of what I get up to at the start of each thing. And my rant this time is a couple, I've got a couple of things for you. Uh, this is ep 42 of the life of try. If you're having a listen for the first time, we generally listen to me rant for a few minutes. Then we talk some triathlon. Kevin McKinnon, of course, knows all things triathlon. I just happen to sort of roughly steer the ship. Uh, but thanks for listening. <laughs> Wherever you are. But there's no steering from Phil Rockner. That doesn't happen. <laughs> no, there Who is. are you trying to kid? Yeah, fuck all steering. Um, now, I went on record in episode 39. If you uh, remember last week, I had a massive crack of them about not having a finish line camera at Ironman Australia. Well, I, I, got, an email. I got an email during the week. Uh, they had one there. <laughs> um, and so how... How was it so difficult for you to yeah, find it? Exactly. So, look, I, I, look, the Ironman, the Ironman Asia Pacific guys and I have always had a, a good relationship, and I'll put that out there. I mean, you know, I worked with them for a decade. Uh, they are good people doing some good work and putting on some good races. So I'm going to preface that by saying I do know them. Um, not uh, not all of them as I used to, uh, but certainly still know a few of them. And and one of them, you know, who's, you know, good good ranking um, member. So uh, he reached out and did say, listen, I heard your podcast. Here is the link to the finish line camera. And he did say, and, and I really think this is a, a, a step forward. Um, not even a step forward, just, you know, he just said, we need to do a better job of making it public. We need to do a better job. And I did talk about the the fake sites as well. Mm, okay. Um, and he did say that they spend a lot of time trying to shut them down. He said, but like all things in that nature, as soon as you shut one down, they, they pop up again. Right. Yeah, which is what I, I seem to remember saying. Like, I, it never, I can never understand how they can get on to there. But, yeah, I guess there's just bots and people or whatever that just keep making uh, making accounts. And, yeah, I just I, I would love to reiterate, I've always found the, the folks down in uh, Asia Pack, uh, the Ironman Asia Pack folks are just amazing. They're they're really great to work with and uh, a really good group. So yeah, uh, they, um, good on you for uh, 
for um, you know following up or being followed up on <laughs> for that one and and getting that out there and yeah, um, uh, but I yeah I concur like if if you couldn't find it it doesn't help a whole lot. No, and they admitted that they said it was tough to find and and I really appreciated that. I mean it's. You know, it's easy. You know, like it's easy to sit there and whack Iron Man and they're this and then that because I'm going to whack them later on. So, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but in this case, I really again, I I appreciated Iron Man APAC for coming back to us and and having that conversation. And and as I said though during the podcast last week, if I'm wrong about this, I will apologise. Um, and I think you know that we 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 did get a fair hearing because as I said, the actual tracker that kept popping up on my watch was amazing. It was really cool. Like I really, like I felt like I'd done the race with, you know, the, um, our age group guy we were following. Um, but yeah, just in terms of that finish line camera, that's, that's an option. But in all of that, uh, I got through dual climate. I got through the conversation with Ironman uh, and I did write back and, and, and was very um, complimentary of them for, for reaching out. Um, and the last thing I want to bring up, which is starting, stirred up a little about a month ago, Kevin, and I don't understand this. Why are people upset if you wear a watch when you go swim training? Oh, it drives me absolutely nuts. What 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 is the problem if I want to stick a watch on while I swim train? Yeah, no, there, there's absolutely no problem. Um, for me, what I'm always saying to my athletes is, who do you want to train like? Do you want to train like an elite swimmer or do you want to train like um, – you know, somebody who is obviously very far from it. And there's, there's a pace clock, right? And so yeah. when people are when people are reaching down, what really drives me nuts is when they're stopping and starting their watches during a swim workout. Um, you know, you've got a pace clock there. Get to the wall, touch the wall, look up. Um, and yeah, the, the watches, they just take or people are always looking at them and they're just distracting. And yes, it's a, it's a swim coaching thing for sure. Drives us nuts. Drives us absolutely nuts. I don't look, this will be one of the few times I don't have an opinion. And I most certainly, I couldn't give a rat. If you're wearing a watch, good. And if you want to wear, I I don't care. Like who gives a shit if you're wearing a watch and you purists are the ones that are really, annoying and blowing up the sport it's people like you kevin mckinnon with your elitist look at me.com attitude with your visor and your wraparounds when you do your coaching it's people like you kevin there we go i did not realize that i was wrecking the sport um over after all these years but just killing the sport yep there we go um i've got nothing to say to you other than it drives me absolutely crazy i do try and get my athletes to uh, not wear watches, but I'm pretty much giving up on it because it's becoming so ubiquitous. I hope that's the right word in this uh, this instance. Um, But yeah, it it just, you know, as as I said, when you go to a swim workout and you're watching a bunch of, uh, you know, elite swimmers, not a watch in sight. They use the pace clock and... Um, and certainly like, you know, people are working on getting to the wall, not trying to touch a stupid watch and <laughs> make sure that, you know, I want to make sure that I track everything accordingly. Like <laughs> it doesn't matter. 
this is I love it. This is this is you in a in a Canadian rage. <laughs> this is a Canadian table flip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I don't do the rage thing nearly as well as you do. No, I feel okay. for the poor guy who had to sit in the climate controlled car with you Fucking the other day. I really do. What a climate. My, uh, let me know if I need to send them a card or anything. <laughs> it was a terrible time, the poor bastard. Hey, um, the last thing I want to say is, uh, my my, I got on a bike during the weekend, and why won't people wave to you when you're on a bike? If you're on a bike and another dude or another you know girl passes you on a bike, I always give him a wave, give him a little wave. Hey, how you doing, man? Flying the flag, nothing, nothing. Three dudes rode past, all of them just stared at me, just staring. Wave, dude. Yeah, hey, I, I'm I'm surprised because everyone waves here in Canada, and I always thought you Aussies were sort of friendly. Maybe. Uh, you need to be passing them beers, possibly. That possibly alcohol could have been, but I I think too. Just have we become so myopic in our in our training that it's you know like you said he's probably staring at a watch. Got to got to keep my heart rate up. Got to got to make sure I get this done. Effort, oh, effort, effort. That drives me nuts on on the bike too. When people are are constantly looking down at their their power trying to trying to keep the numbers up. I actually threatened when we were riding through Vermont at a training camp a few years ago, I actually threatened one of my athletes. I said I was going to push him off the bike if he if he didn't stop looking down all the time at his stupid computer. I'm like, just ride, <laughs> dude. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll look at the power numbers later. Just get up this stupid mountain. Stop yeah. worrying about, you know, yeah. what numbers you're pushing. Um. So I suppose we're we going to talk about the Ironman yeah, World Championship. Or? Ironman World Championships. Uh, I, I was flat. I got to admit, I was flat for this one. Um, I don't think the move out of Kona worked at all. Um, I think it was a hollow World Championships, and I'll give you a couple of reasons why. Um, the first is obviously the fields were low in terms of talent. The best talent was not on the field. They just went. Um, oh, I'm gonna. I, I I need to step in there. Are you trying to tell me Daniela Reefa on form isn't the best talent? And Christian Blumenfeld. I thought you told me that the the Norwegians were gonna win. Now well, one of them wasn't there. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? So Eden goes out. Brownlee goes out. Fredino's gone out. I mean, all of a sudden you're depleting a field. Cam Worth had. You know, uh, a whole lot of bike races in his. I mean, you know, like it was all. I just, I really felt flat about it when Brown Lee and Eden were gone. I'm like, ah, oh, this is just, you know. And I'm not saying that the guys. I'm not talking. I'm talking about the fields as a whole. You know, I'm. No, I, so I, I guess where I'm pushing back is I wouldn't say anything about the talent of the field. Uh, but you can go crazy about the depth of the field to the nth degree, and I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, this was um, – and uh, sorry if I'm I'm jumping in on your list here. So just also to f- follow up on the hollow, the sort of – it did feel very strange. Um, all week long, everyone was talking about the expo, um, just, you know, not having the same sort of volume of people coming through and – uh, and interest, it was just slow all of the days, even slower than Kona, which I thought was really surprising because St. George is a lot easier to get to than Kona. Yeah. Um, and while accommodation was nutty expensive, 
still wouldn't have been as expensive uh, to get to as Kona. But they're just, I, I think people, fans were like, yeah, it's not Kona. So you, know, you definitely felt that difference there. Um, not to say they didn't, they didn't put on an amazing race and hopefully we're going to talk about how difficult it was. Yeah. It was nutty hard, but yeah, definitely not the same as Kona, but, um, when you were there and once the racing was going on, it was pretty cool. Like it was, um, um, you know, a very big deal. And the athletes talked about there being more spectators and stuff out on the course. Right. So. So you were there, obviously I was not, you were, uh, trackside. Um, what was the, so talk us through the, like the, you know, hearing and being on the ground and hearing that these, you know, big names obviously, uh, are not in how, how were people taking that? And did it diminish what you thought? Obviously depth wise. Yes. And we we're all waiting for the Eden V, um, Blumenfeld sort of one, two and that one, two punch. And everyone was waiting for that. And, you know, could Brownlee, obviously um land a punch at a big at a big world uh title and when that goes and i'm, and I'm talking to the men and, and and i'll come to the women in a sec but it does it really it really feels a bit flat for mine it, it was it like that on the ground um i would say not so much um you know they because you know somebody pointed out um maybe it was at, at the press conference um, you know, every year, even in Kona, you know, there's there's people who drop out and and all that stuff. And um, I think the athletes were just taking the attitude of, yeah, Yan's not here. Yes, Joe Skipper's not here. Um, you know, go through uh, Patrick Langa's not here. Um, but we can't do anything about that. All we can do is race the people who are here. And Christian Blumenfeld is pr- pretty freaking strong. Um, Florian Angert, um, and, uh, you know, uh, all of these guys, um, who were part of that, that lead pack of five, um, who took it to a, uh, Braden Curry, um, having his outstanding race. So, you know, they were kind of, I think the attitude was, there's a lot of good people here and we've just got to worry about that. Um, which is pretty much all you can do. But yeah, on the outside, I totally hear what you're saying. And hopefully this is setting up for an epic Kona this year. You know, I think mm-hmm. um, Talbot Cox was talking about, um, you know, c- can't wait to see Jan Frodeno taking on the Norwegians in Kona. Well, it has to uh-huh. happen. Like at some point, like this was, if I put this into sort of golf terms, you know, this was a... Um, an event like a, not a major, it's not even a major with the talent that's there. It's just not, it's, you've got, you've listed names. I've listed names. You know, there's four or five guys there who on their day will influence the race. Right. Oh, for sure. Couldn't agree more. And that, you know, what, what does that lead group do with Jan Frodeno to help keep the pace up? Now, you know, that said, um, that lead group of five, they were, they were humming. Um, they were really pushing hard um, coming off the bike with what four minute lead. I think it was four or five minutes yeah. on Worf and, and Sanders. Um, and, you know, the guys were saying like um, Blumenfeld was saying he was on the line when, uh, when the Worf, um, Worf train came on by, he was just 
hanging on for dear life to that thing. So that's how that's how hard those guys were going. Now, does Jan Ferdano bring anything more to it? Here's the thing that's just to me um, the 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 tragedy of of COVID, um, and I, I say that in terms of the tragedy for triathlon in terms yeah. of COVID. Like, yeah. you know, COVID obviously a horrible thing in all ways, shape, ways, shapes, and forms. Um, but we didn't get to see Jan Frodeno taking those guys on um, when he was forty. We're going to see it when he's forty-two. Yeah, um, and I think there's a big difference um, in those, but maybe Jan will turn uh, prove me wrong. Um, but you know, that's pretty. It'll be pretty amazing. Anyway, yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more that uh, the you know, things there were a lot of people missing. But uh, when you were out there, um, you just people were taking this as, hey, this is a world championship. I'm going for it. All I can do is race the people who are here. So does this championship have an asterisk next to it? Oh, yes, I think so. Because um, uh, very, very brutal, hard course, way harder course than Kona. Um, but, you know, conditions, it was hot, but, you know, dry as anything. You're, you're not dealing with the humidity. And that just changes changes the dynamics. There are people who could do well in um, in St. George that it would be a struggle to do well uh, or who would struggle to do well in Kona. And also, to me, you can kind of take a few more chances when you're dealing with dry heat versus humidity. Um, so, you know, going out there and getting right on the line uh, you do that in Kona, and you literally cook out on the Queen K. Yeah. Um, whereas, yes, people were struggling. Yes, people weren't getting to the line and all that kind of stuff. But it just wasn't the same um, kind of uh, carnage in terms of the the wet, the heat conditions. Um, but I don't know how much that is balanced by the the course, like it. Daniela Reef, after the race, said, this is the sorest my legs have ever been after an Ironman. Um, this is a woman in 2018, got stung by a jellyfish and still won the damn race and yeah. you know, had to come back. Um, so she's had some really tough events. And she said, like, this hands down, toughest thing she's ever done. Um, you know, uh, Annie Haug said she was like, she bonked five times on the bike and was finishing the bike kind of going, how on earth am I going to run a marathon? Um, and so, you know, all of these folks were just saying this was craziness. Yeah. Um, I think even Blumenfeld just kind of said he wanted to be done at 30 K and uh, then has to do this long climb on the run course. Um, so, you know, somebody, somebody described the, uh, whoever designed the course as just pure evil. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, so just... in saying all that, Lionel Sanders, has he ever won a world title? He has won, uh, what was then ITU is now world triathlon, the world triathlon long distance title yeah, in Penticton. Okay. So anything outside of that, I mean. He has not won an Ironman cool. world title. Cool. So now that we've qualified um, that, will he be uh, the best 
athlete never to win a world title? Um, yeah, he could be. Um, it, it, you know, very interesting. I had some really interesting conversations with Lionel. Um, and, you know, he feels like he's two or three years away from his peak. Um, That's still coming. And feels like um, he just got off track. He was doing the right kind of training in 2015, 2016, 2017. Um, and then got convinced to sort of change up what he's doing. And he's back to more of that kind of stuff now um, and feels like that's what has made the huge difference. Um, he says he's going to continue to listen to Mikkel Eden um, and his team around him and kind of let them guide him along. It all seems to be working. Um, but one of the things that was very interesting was he was saying that Miko, um, heading into the race was saying, yeah, you're doing well. You're not going at the same kind of form as Christian and, uh, Gustav, but you're, you're doing okay. Um, and I thought that was really interesting that right off the bat, like he was going in going, yeah, I, I know I'm not at that level, but hey, you know, you just get out there and race. And that's, he took, he's a, much more relaxed than I've ever seen him, uh, much more confident than, uh, than I have seen him in many years going into things and just seems to be in a good headspace. So I hope that he can continue on that front. And um, the thing with Lionel is if the doors open, um, as so the way he put it on Thursday night was just great. If I can win this race, I will. And so if the right opportunity presents itself, so Christian struggles a little bit, Lionel wins that race, right? And so he puts he's gonna keep putting himself in that kind of position where people have to beat him. Yeah, but you're and, talking about a lot of ifs, right? So yes. yeah, and and what's that doing for his confidence when his coach says you're? I mean, he probably already knows that. It probably says two things. It you know, a his coach is clearly a realist, um, and b Lionel takes on board what his coach says to a point, and then goes and goes. Well, I'm still going to have a massive swing at this. So it says a lot about his character. But at some point, like you're, you know, if he has a bad, but he didn't. And again, he's five minutes short you know, having to haul ass in the last couple of Ks to pick up the second spot. Uh, and, you know, it, it's it's another near miss, five minutes in over in an Ironman, probably a close miss. Um, at what point, you know, and if he's saying he's two or three years away, he is going to have, uh, you know, that window of opportunity either start to close or get picked up by another one. You know, by and, and there doesn't seem to be any lack of uh, European guys ready to line up and take a title. Yeah, um, but I think that's at some levels that's kind of what you have to do, right? So, you know, Patrick Lange is an amazing athlete, um, but you know his two his two Kona wins came when when you know Jan had a back issue one time and then. Um, uh, an injury another time. Um, and so does that diminish Patrick's world titles at all? 
Yes, maybe some people do. But at the end of the day, the guy was first across the line. He'll take it. Um, And 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 the thing was, do you want to take anything away? He was the first guy to go sub eight in Kona, uh, set set the course record. Um, So pretty amazing stuff right there. And I think um, for Lionel, uh, what what uh, Michael Eden with that, hey, you're not there. That is actually um, for Lionel. I think that's actually really positive because he knows he doesn't have a yes man behind him. Yeah. So th- this guy is not just telling him what he wants to hear. He's telling him this is the way it's at. And so for I, you know, my guess is that just motivates the the hell out of Lionel to he wants to hear the words of hey, you know, you're getting pretty damn close to these guys. That's um and and so uh and I think he thinks he can get there in the next 2 or 3 years and knows that and yeah, you, you look at, this is the guy who walked, what, after mile eight of Coeur d'Alene last year, um, looking like he was going to win the race uh, and then just completely folded um, to less than a year later, uh, you know, 10 months later, uh, just over 10 months later is banging on, well, second place in Kona again, or second place at the, in Kona at the world championships again. So He's going in the right direction, and so yeah, I, bloody I think slowly all... though, Kevin. Bloody slowly, like it for oh. him to realize in two or three years. Geez, you, you, yeah, it's a long thing, man. It's a, it's a long, long road. Now, to sort of transition to something a little bit different, topic-wise from this race, and we'll come to the women's race as well. I'm not going to ignore that one for sure. Um, if you're swimming an hour. Should you be in a world title? Should you be winning a world title? No, in a world title. Like if I'm hitting 95 off the stick in a in a golf tournament, should I be playing a PGA event? No. So if I'm swimming an hour, like an hour, 59 minutes, if I'm swimming that, I've either had the worst day possible, which may have happened, but looking down the results and seeing a number of dudes swimming 58 plus minutes, for the swim, right? What what are we what are we doing here? Like what what are we doing here as a sport? Yeah, so those guys were just not in not in the picture in the race. Um, those days, yeah, the days of of swimming well back well and and i think for a long time it's been it's been difficult to be um in contention if you haven't had a decent swim uh but that used to be four and five and six minutes like yeah when you're when you're coming out 10 minutes down from these guys it's you're 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 not biking your way back into the picture against you're done against you are done yeah you're you're, you know so we had five guys under the top five all went sub eight. Incredible. Then you have another bracket where you've got the top 10 all went under 806, right? And then obviously the tail starts to wag a little bit. People have bad days. They don't go that well. You know, something's happened. Um, you know, for someone like Sam Long, for example, who run, who goes a 52, then a 418, and then blows to 303. I kind of get that. I'm like, you know what, man? You've had a bad day. Something's gone wrong. You know, you're in the hunt for a while. Because a four... What do you buy? 418 is a very respectable bike type. 
Um, you know, it just, it, it, yeah, I just look at performance and I think if you're swimming an hour and then you're biking 440 something, you are biking, uh, and having it, uh, you would be a rock star if it was 2004. So what are we doing yes. here to vet these guys? What are we doing to make sure that we've got, you know, I know they go around the world and they qualify and they get the points and all that kind of stuff. I kind of get that, but wow. I mean, there were some real big explosions in this race. Yeah, but it's a world championship. You're always going to have, uh, like, people are going to go for it, right? Um, yeah, and I understand blowing the marathon to three hours and 20 or something, but, you know, riding strong and swimming well. But a bunch of dudes swimming 58 minutes. Good God. The only one who made any headway from a swim that le- of that time was Boris Stein, who you know, went and goes and bikes a 4.22 and you go, well, he's making ground up, but then, you know, explodes again on a 3.04. And again, Kevin, if you're not running sub, I mean, Jesus, if you're not running sub 2.45s these days, you are slow. Uh, Well, not elite. Let's go not elite. I will quite say, like a 2.46 is not slow, uh, but yeah, it's it's hard to be in the picture and they're only going to make it... um, these guys are only going faster. Um, So yeah, no, it's absolutely. If, if you, if you're swimming 58 minutes, like um, you can get yourself into a top 10, maybe if you have it, but even Boris Stein wasn't able to do that. And, you know, Boris has been able to uh, hammer through um, some, you know, he's had the fastest bike split in Kona in his past. Um, So, uh, you know, great cyclists and stuff, but yeah, yeah, you know, just not, not in the picture. Um, and, and that was without Jan Ferdano, who would have been in that lead group. Um, and you know, Jan is kind of known for keeping that lead group moving. Um, Alistair Brownlee, um, you know, how many, how many times have we seen him sort of in a lead group at a world triathlon event, you know, guiding or keeping everyone moving, yelling at everyone if they're not taking hard enough and long enough pulls and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if the, I'm with you. Um, if you're, if you're swimming 58 minutes, I really wonder if it is worth making the trip to Kona. It's an expensive trip. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, that's the point, the point. And again, I'm not, we, we are, the, if you're going to be a professional, you expect to get judged. That's just how, that's the, that's the lay of the land. And in triathlon, to be fair, you get judged very little. You know, you, there's a few magazines out there and they'll write stuff, but no one goes hard at you like they do at uh, NFL or NBA or anything of like those big EPL sports, you know, that sort of stuff where you just get the stick taken to you. Because if we were that media, I'd be retiring half that men's field for their performance. And I'd be saying it's time to give it up because there were people there who were just literally off the pace and don't ever look like coming back. And I do wonder about that and think, you know, yeah, you retired a long time, but there's some dudes there who are very well known and, and, you know, very, very slow. Didn't fire a shot. Um, it just makes me wonder thinking about this as we transition into the women's event, um, Ironman. Now I did give them a little bit of a plug earlier and said that we, you know, I wasn't going to give them a whack and here it comes, Kevin, the coverage of Ironman in this one, for God's sakes, how hard is it to track and keep tabs 
on the telecast of what's happening. If I watched the Tour de France and there was six different breakaways, I'd know exactly where they were, what's the time split, and what was happening. And I would get camera footage of all of that. Why can't we do that in Ironman? Why can't we get our act together as a sport? Why can't they get it right? You've worked at Ironman. You've worked at Ironman Live. You and I have both done it. They run it on a shoestring. It seems, you know, it seems nothing has changed. Like the commentators at one point didn't know where anyone was. How's that supposed to work? And I'm not calling out the commentators because I've been in that chair and it sucks because you only get the feed that's given to you. And they go, oh, commentate on this. I can remember couple of very well-known commentators talking to me saying, God, I hope this doesn't go down. And then the chopper goes down to refuel because they only have one. And you stand there for 35 minutes with nothing to say. And that was 10 years ago. I would have thought we've advanced a little bit from that and that we don't have that sort of breakdown in, in communication and a telecast that, you know, was stuck in a what looked like an amazing place. But then dished up with that what, what's happening yeah um so uh i and that's i unfortunately i'm always or not unfortunately fortunately for me i'm out on the field so i don't actually see the coverage that often um from what i understand that was one of the big differences with the pto coverage you sort of of, of the collins cup last year was you got to see you, you knew where those gaps were a bit better um, but they spent insane amounts of money on that on that coverage. You have to. Um, you have yeah. to do it. You have to spend money on the coverage or why bother? Just stop. Play a fucking radio, right? Do it on radio if you can't. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't bother if you can't do it to a nosebleed level. Oh, it's going to cost money. Yeah. Do you know what else costs you when you watch this and go, this is a shit product? That's what ours cost you. And that's why sponsors would be jumping off that left and right because people were giving it what for. Social media was, as per usual, blowing up about what was going on. Kevin, this is the the world title is the pinnacle of the sport. It doesn't get any better. Outside of the Olympics, I'm talking about this is the pinnacle of the sport. So if you're going to drop coin on everything, then you do it for the world title. You might not do it all the year round. You might not do it every single race. I get that. Budgets aren't finite. But if you want to make the sport, then you know that television audiences and online audiences, because people are quite ready to consume online anything these days, have to be at a level that is nosebleed. And that would require a little bit of money. So be it. Yeah. And so um, I, what was interesting to me, the helicopters were uh, certainly out in force, or there were two of them. Um, I have never, other than when I raced in Japan, I have never seen a chopper go as low as this sucker was um, with the lead group. Um, certainly, you know, I saw it around the lead men's the most. Um, and it was down almost at athlete level. Like it was crazy how low it was. So I don't know. To me, I was like, wow, they must be getting some pretty cool shots and everything. Um so, yeah, and um, I saw Matt, I think it was Matt Lieto. Yeah, Matt Lieto, who was out um, on the course a few times, sort of doing the commentary stuff. Um, and so, yeah, that, that to me is mind-blowing that they couldn't have known exactly how far the group was. Um, 
Look, and I, I'm not pointing at the commentators because they get handled. No, they get handled. And I think Leo has good talent. You know, I think he does a good job, but it would be advantageous. And and this is what the PTO need to look at, I suppose. Um, and but it's not even their boundary. It's it's Iron Man's thing. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. It look. So and actually, I don't know. How does the tour nail the? The stuff because do they have do they put a GPS on yeah. each athlete? Yeah. Or so there's the there's a little band you'll see on the bikes. They actually screw it onto the bikes, and they cover them and they can spot them everywhere. And so you just know. Like, can you imagine Liggett sitting there going, "Yeah, there's a break up the road, but I really done it." Now the guys who did this too, I think, are the ASO crew too. So they should know this. They should yeah. really know this. How do they fuck it up so much they don't know it? That that astounds me. Like, it astounds me that someone is not doing what I'm doing, jumping up and down, screaming, going, this is crap. How do they not know this in a pre-production meeting to say, well, how are we going to predict it? You know, we have um, Cadell Evans. He has a UCI race around near where I live each year. And every year I'm astounded by the four choppers in the air, the 20, literally the 25 motorbikes that follow everybody around to clear the course and are part of that media contingent to spot everybody and take and the, and the 15 television cameras. And this is just a, a UCI, you know, mid-level race. You know, I, yeah, I, I don't understand. And we, we have this, this is almost like you can press play after every world title. We get the same thing. I don't know. I think they need to do more. Um, the women's race, obviously, though, uh, I, I was a bit flat on this. <laughs> I was a bit flat on it. Um, I'm not disputing... Daniela Reeves, uh, you know, amazing. And, and, but I, I just, I really wanted something different. I really wanted a different result. And it's not because I dislike Reeves. You just wanted something different because you had predicted that there was, I'm trying to remember exactly how you put it, but something to the effect of there's no way Daniela Reef wins the race. And I no. was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not willing no, you to said say that, that yeah. which yeah. means that I was 100% right and you were 100% wrong. I just want to make sure that we get that one out oh, there. It, it's a given. In anybody, in, in fact, people who are on the punt and like to bet on races will listen to this podcast because they know to do the direct opposite of whatever I say. <laughs> <laughs> And wisely so. Yes, you, did, you did say a Norwegian was going to win, um, yeah, and so true. you were you were bang on on that front. Yeah, but is that uh, hard? Is that a hard one? That's like saying you know the bloody Earth's not flat. I mean, it's just not a hard thing to say and wrap well, your head around. So, you know, Christian, uh, I know we're we're about to talk about the women's race, but uh, one other thing on the on the Christian front, what really scared me was um, the guy was sick still. Yes, and apparently won the race. Um, so uh, that just signaled to me, like I knew, or I had a feeling that they could be dominant, but you know, you've got to get out there and prove it, right? It's yeah. one thing to do all of this, and and um, everyone to say, oh yeah, you're going to win, and all that. You, you've actually got to get out there and do it as well, right? Yeah. Um, and so, like after the race, like <laughs> when I was doing the interview, like he's you know, getting water and you can tell his chest and, and his throat are really still not the best. Um, so that's, what's really frightening on that front. So, sorry, Kev, before we get there, that bike that he rode to the Kadex, the one that <laughs> he built in a cave 
with Iron Man and and Robert Downey Jr. They made it in a cave, and then they put. Wow, what a what a thing that was! It looked like a piece of shit, but geez, it went well. Oh, it sure did. Uh, Four eighteen forty two. I I'd say that's an okay bike split. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He. Uh, the the bike obviously uh, got got the job done. Um. And uh, and the other so you know people were all up in arms or wondering about the felt <clears throat> that Danielle Reef's been on. Braden Curry, I believe, was also riding that that same felt, and you know he went four sixteen thirty. So I'd you know, and, and Daniela certainly dominated out on the bike. I'd say it's working. Yeah, and it's it didn't look bikes out there. Remember that. Horrible, was it? The Diamondback. What a piece of crap that was. Good Lord. Um, That looked like it was made of cardboard. This thing actually looked like it could hold together a little bit. So, yeah, I just, it was interesting. That was, the last thing is his race suit too. Jesus, will he stop wearing that race suit and actually cover up? <laughs> so, uh, again, comes down to, um, I believe the, the Norwegians did all the testing and and that's that's the suit that, gets the best performance. So Can this guy is all up? about all about the science and could care less about making Phil Rockna happy. Um he's, well, he's do whatever whatever's gonna win. Well Christian, I know he listens to this. Dude, listen, from me to you, my man, uh I know white's kind of, you know, it change it, man. Just change it. Make a good car. Make some good decisions. Um yeah, so a bit flat about Daniela Reef, only because I'm a man who likes disruptors, and I we didn't even get a look in. I just it was she's just pythonic with what she does. She just slowly envelops the course, um, and I'm not saying slowly, but she obviously quick. I'm just saying you know, you know it's inexorable the way she works. Um, yeah, and but but yeah, we just there was a very human uh, like Daniela came back to earth over over a couple of year period. Has she? Um, and uh, so it was very, it was, you know, cool to see uh, her get all of this stuff back on track. And everybody loves a comeback story. And yeah, she'd never gone anywhere. But this is, this is a bit of a comeback story. And I think, you, you oh my goodness, you have, I have never seen her come across a line that way. Like she just went right over to that media area and yelled i mean yelled um and it was like sending a clear message of yeah you know you guys try and write me off um don't do that um she made an angry bird comment at the at the post-race press conference you know like don't piss off the angry bird oh good lord so, um yeah it was it was interesting and, and i got a little bit of an insight um, cause I, I asked her, um, in my post-race interview, which I will be getting written up, um, for the site today. Um, I said, like, I've been seeing all of these Instagram posts of you training up at altitude and you're always by yourself. Like, I, I just was wondering if you were getting lonely and, uh, she said, no, I, I love it. That's, that was one of the things that I struggled with, with the group. She said, I'm so competitive that um, when I feel like other people are trying to gauge themselves off of me or, you know, and, and compete with me in workouts all the time, um, that really bothers me. I find that really stressful. Huh. Um, so that gave me a little bit of insight as to, 
Now, I'm sure there's lots of other stuff going on and everything, but you know, you kind of look and go, why on earth would Daniela Reef leave the Sutto setup? It, it was obviously doing so well for her, but because you know, she's been to the point where, yeah, she she needed a break from all of that. I'd need a break from him after about five seconds. I don't know how she lasted so long. Um, nice to see him win without him too. It was um, it was good. I, I, yes, I, that part I did enjoy. I felt that with under you know in that in that rubbish he was um, she was just very robotic. There was nothing much about her that was and the emotion was cool. I didn't mind it. Um, I just yeah over the years you kind of get used to her that sort of just I don't know you don't get much from her. I don't feel that we get a lot from her. Um, well, and I think this is, uh, again, I, I think all of this stuff, her being able to come back and, and, uh, I, I, there I used it again for her to win again after, you know, a little bit of a tough time with everything and just look like her old self mm. was, I think that will just endear her to, uh, triathlon fans, uh, even more. Like, I think people were getting sick of seeing her just dominate and and now they kind of go yeah this this is cool we like we like seeing her win again but uh, she's not invincible anymore though is she i know i mean i know this performance will obviously it's telling she's five minutes what she's 10 minutes ahead so you know nine minutes ahead so of cat matthews but it's not i don't feel that she has the same aura and and that's good for the sport i don't love and i never have i've never loved multiple you know, dominations and, and eras of athletes. I just, I, I, I like upsets and I like disruptors and I like, you know, it's nice to see someone win a couple of times. I'll, I'll give you that. But once that happens, I look for the disruption and the, and, and the changing of the guard, so to speak. So she's not in as, as in, in, I guess, titanium as it would be. Do you know what I mean? Like she's not. Um, absolutely. That. And so, um, and I think we saw, we saw a lot of that. So um, I want to talk about Annie Haug, uh, but I think first, uh, just quickly, Cat Matthews, definitely yeah. the real deal. Yeah. Um, and uh, just so like this was, I didn't realize this was her first uh, world championship. Um, yeah, she's you know, 31. She really... well, she's pup. She's 31. Yeah, she's, well, the thing, you know, she was working full-time in the Army, a physiotherapist, until five years ago, sort of got got into the sport, I think, you know, just got into tries five years ago, or still, still working, I think, a little bit. Um, anyway, just just a great story, kind of building up very quickly, and um, just somebody to keep an eye on, for sure. Mm. Um, and then Annie Haug... So after the race, just like just destroyed. Um, and, you know, she kind of said, I'm really happy with my race because this was totally not my kind of course. Um, this was not the course for me. And for me to still be able to get third was amazing. And I think that that says a lot for what you are talking about. So Daniela, like this is strong, a strong athlete's course. She is a strong athlete. Yeah. This course just absolutely perfect for her um anyhow is not that sort of a an athlete and and so you know she was pretty happy with the way she was able to do things and i think that bodes well for her in kona so you know daniella i think will come away from this going yeah this this was awesome but if i want to win in kona 
I need to actually probably be another level because these guys are going to be coming at me. So yeah. I think that's exciting for the sport. It is. And, and Britain as well, the UK with four in the top 10, um, you know, well, it really, yeah. Yeah, it, it just transfers from the uh, world triathlon across to here. So, and keep an eye on Ruth Assel. Um, yeah. So, you know, top top age grouper in um, in 2019 and Turds Pro, uh, she won two races last year. Um, and, uh, you know, I was talking to one of her sponsors a few days before the race and they were saying, oh, you know, we're sort of hoping that Ruth is going to get the win here. And I said, that's not going to happen. Uh, but don't get me wrong. I think she can have a great race, um, but she can't run well enough to win this sucker. Um, and in the end, it turned out like she had a, just a horrendous swim, 59-22. Um, and that was what really kind of kept her out of the mix for a higher finish. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's, uh, she's definitely on the upside as well. Um, Sky Munch, um, you know, she just quietly cruises along. I, 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 you know, top four or top, yeah, top four performance there. I think pretty awesome for her and uh, routinely now becoming the the top um, American at at a lot of these things. So um, I think Sky gets a little frustrated that she doesn't get the same sort of attention as some other American athletes. But um, you know, she's but she's just a you know one of these steady steady performers and and. Um, the uh, it, it, it it's going to be hard for her to move up and win, but can she get a top three? Yeah, steady day I think could could get her on the podium at some of these things in the future. Yeah, and a few other women who might have we expected too. Um, Heather Jackson didn't fire a shot really; she was way back on the bike. Um, yeah. And then, well, and, and a one-on-one, like over an hour on, and the swim that, that just puts her yeah. well back. Yeah. Um, makes it hard to sort of get into that mix. Yeah. And it, it does. And, and again, um, with only a small field, it's only 22, um, women. Um, yeah. of, of which though, like no, no DNS, which is interesting because on the men's side, um, there was almost 10 or 11 guys who didn't finish. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, look, it is, I mean, people love a story, a comeback story, and they love to see people suffer before they win. And I think we've seen that with uh, Daniela Reef, and, um, you know, status quo has been resumed. And what it does do is it sets up again, as you said, sets up October for fantastic uh, racing. Given Reef's ability to perform on the big island, um, you know, it's really going to open up that conversation about, okay, it's hers to lose again. Yeah. Oh, and, and, you know, I've always, what's always amazed me about these athletes. So when I raced, I was just a basket case in terms of the mental, mental stuff. I would get nutty, nervous and, and all this. Um, it is just amazing to me how these folks deal with the pressure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just, my hat goes off to them. Like, you know, people, I would walk down the, you know, the streets in Kona, people say, oh, you got top 10, Kevin. And I would just like start shaking. I would get so nervous, you know, and, and so I can't even begin to imagine what it's like to have 
uh, folks talking about, you know, you're going to win, you're going to win by 10 minutes and all this stuff. I just, yeah. I, uh, the way these guys handle that is pretty amazing. And, and the way Daniela does it is she, she just tries to focus on, um, you know, sets herself her own goals that she wants to achieve. Um, and if the win comes or for most, the most part, when the win comes, that's great. Um, and so I think that's how she kind of gets through all of that. But I think now she's got, she's got five and five <laughs> on the world title front. Um, that's pretty incre- incredible. She can just cruise along. I think she's got a few more years and goals of things she wants to do, but um, she's, she's all set to handle that pressure now. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, well, it, it does set us up now for, um, I guess, more events throughout the course of this season leading into, um, uh, you know, I suppose the big, the next big one would be looking at that Canadian open. Um, well, you've also got the sub, sub seven, sub eight. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, it's a bloody sideshow, that thing. It's just, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. I just, I just wonder about it. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a sideshow. It's not that. It, it has a passing interest with me without being super interested. So here's the other thing that I cannot believe you have not brought up yet. Um, Andrew Messick pre-race press conference um, throws it out that basically he, he, you know, threw the gauntlet down to the folks over in Kailua Kona in Hawaii. If Ironman can't have two days of racing, they're going to start looking for some other places to put the Ironman World Championship. So, you know, the big question we've been wondering is St. George, the the beginning of a rotating championship? Well, uh, I think that is now firmly in Kailua Kona's court. They're going to have the two days of racing this year, and um, that's going to allow um, Ironman to have as close to 5,000 athletes in the race as they can get. And that's what they want to have. What do you that's what they want to have from here on in at the world championship that allows them to have more races, have more qualifying spots at the races that they have. Um, and um, so it just opens the door for, uh, for Ironman uh, to achieve more of, I guess, their financial goals. But do you, do you, would you, do you like, Following a race in Kona is exhausting. Like, it's just tiring. Do you want to do it two days in a row? Oh, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be absolutely nuts um, going through this uh, whole process. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. Um, But yeah, like this is, it's one thing to do for the 70.3, which they do back, you know, back to back days. Yeah. but it's also a lot of strain on the volunteers. Um, but yeah, you're closing down the roads for two days. Um, and you know, I think there's a lot of pushback against that already in Kailua Kona. Um, so yeah, this is going to be, it'll be really fascinating. But uh, Andrew Messick, you know, pretty darn clear on that, that this is the future as far as he's concerned, this is the future of the Ironman World Championship, and 
they can't have those two days, then they got to go, they got to figure out where they're going. You're really playing a dangerous game here. Um, and I don't, A, I wouldn't want to watch two days of racing. I just don't. I, as a spectator on the ground, it's bloody exhausting in that joint. And if you spend two days watching, it's a hard thing to do. But then if you give an ultimatum at your heartland of the place that built your event, and as we've just seen now, still is the master of all events. Why would you mess with that? Um, yeah, well, I think it comes down to money. Um, and this is not the first time Iron Man, well, Iron Man, I'm sure, has had many times where they've had, you know, gone up against the folks in Kailua Kona. But back, I, you know, I remember back when I worked for Iron Man, um, Ben Furtick, the CEO, a couple of days before Kona one year, and you know, made a little trip to Honolulu. Um, hey, just going to go chat with the folks there, see if they, um, you know, meetings. Um, but the the message was very clear to the folks in Kailua Kona, like, hey, if you guys are going to make our lives difficult, then we'll think about moving it, which everyone, you know, people keep coming back to, oh, you could never move it from there. And, um, you know, we all... Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I don't think anyone ever thought that the the seventy point three worlds needed to be in one iconic place yep. uh, because it didn't start like it started in Clearwater, which wasn't an ideal venue <laughs> for a world championship in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Henderson, sucks. Nevada, was much closer, like basically Las Vegas. Yeah, um, but uh, the rotating thing worked really well, so. You know, yes, we have history, but we don't have a Tour de France history. We don't have a Giro d'Italia history. Um, and those events move around a whole bunch of different places. They Sure, they finish in the same place. I don't actually know where the Giro finishes every year. but Yeah, but, but um, Paris, Paris-Roubaix finishes in Roubaix every year, right? Yes. Milan-San yes, Remo doesn't go. Yeah. Milan-San Remo is not Milan-Brunswick, right? It's not. <laughs> Right, these yes. places iconically stay. This is what's going to happen if Iron Man moves it. Get used to these three words: it's not Kona, because every time someone talks about an Iron Man world title, they're going to say it's not Kona, but it's okay. It's not Kona, yeah. but it was all right. It's not Kona, but the field was pretty good. It's not Kona, but the weather was like. Get used to that Iron Man if that's what you're going to do. But I also know, Kevin, that the Kailua Council and Iron Man aren't exactly best pals. Right. So. Uh, you know, that's what's that's what they're in for. Because Kyle Lua could give them the middle finger, even if they did it, you know, uh, at whatever point, and it wouldn't bother. I don't reckon it would bother the council a heck of a lot, would it? Whew. Yeah, that's to me they're nuts because the the event brings in so much money. Um, so yeah, I I don't understand how they. How, why on earth they would ever let that event s- slip away from them? Um, you know, there, there have been times when the Ironman World Championship has brought more money into the community than the coffee industry. Um, so, you know, it's, it brings a lot of cash to that area. So to me, I'd be just, you know, okay, 
you need two days. Let's figure out, can we do something different with the course? Can we, you know, um, so that we don't disrupt stuff. Um, it'd be great if they would have conversations um, and I'm sure they will. So, uh, but yeah, to me, just very interesting that uh, that Andrew kind of threw the gauntlet down on that front. So yeah, good work. It's going to be an interesting year. Always is. Kevin, that probably will wrap us up for our world title finish. Um, you know, it's always it's always a delight to get your you know your views and for those playing at home, Kevin said the word nutty six times. So yes. fill out your bingo cards. <laughs> oh, oh dear, yeah. So I I never go back and listen to myself because I just cringe too much. Yeah. Um, so uh, so apologies for uh, any of my um, sayings that I said too often. Dude, there are bars in Melbourne that every time you say nutty, they do shots. So there's a whole bunch of drunk people walking around right now, my man. <laughs> I love it. Nutty, yeah. nutty, 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 nutty. You've just Go. laid them out. And for every person who thinks that they're doing that, there's probably a whole bunch for every time I curse or say something stupid of which they would be equally as paralytic. paralytic. Kevin, an hour in, we're good, mate. Uh, this is episode 40 of The Life of Try. Thanks for listening wherever you are. If you like us, tell your buddies. Get us, get them involved. Uh, Kevin can be found on the Twitter at uh, where are you again? Kevin McAttacky kind of set up. Uh, is it McAttack Dad or there I can never yeah, remember? There it is. I'm at Phil Rock. Now you can also uh, get Triathlon Magazine Canada, which is uh, a delightful read for those who know the sport of triathlon, run by this guy we've just been talking to, Kevin, putting all the best content down uh, in the pages and on the website. So check them out, Kevin. We'll reconvene this in a week's time, my man. That sounds great. I will be over in Lanzarote. So looking <laughs> forward to a chat from my favorite island. Oh, dear God. The man's traveling again. Thanks again, folks. We'll, uh, we'll chat in a week. Thanks for listening to The Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Try.